So at the end of the day, I always try to put my tools away, right? Because if you put your tools away at the end of the day, then you know if anything's missing. And yesterday, cleaning things up, I was missing my quarter-inch drive ratchet. It's one of my favorite tools. It's about this long, and it's just so cute, you know? It's just a cute little tool. And, and I looked in my chest waders because I'd used it. No dice. So I thought the best place they might be was alongside the road, Bishop's Creek. Maybe you saw the buoys out, the navigational buoys, okay? If you put them on a boat, they're a fender. If they're in the water, they're a buoy. Navigational buoys, channel markers, okay? You know what I'm talking about? They're brand new orange. That's me. Thank you. And they're on Lake Association. That's where I last used my ratchet. I'd put it in my waders, but my waders have these little drainage holes in the bottom in case you go in too deep. And so the ratchet itself slipped out. Yep, there it was lying in the tall grass, gently warmed by the sun, waiting to be picked up. It was easy. It was easy because I checked at the end of the day. A wrench in the plan suggests a difficulty, even an outright thwarting of a plan, a sabotage, a roadblock. Throwing a wrench into something would keep it from working properly. These next set of verses related to the first 11 verses in chapter 12, and really one might argue, okay, all of the book of Hebrews engages us in a way, and it's that, that sort of moment that we as followers of Christ must come to grips with, and that it's that moment of, if I believe these things to be true, then I should respond accordingly. And the message today clearly says, even in the face of overwhelming opposition, all the things that we've talked about, even when we've been shot at, shot up, shot down, Chuck Yeager, thank you very much, there's this clear sense of how we should behave. Now, now, now caution, right? Okay? We shouldn't think of this text as some, a text to be used carelessly when a friend of ours is suffering profound grief. But it is true even for those who are in the midst of profound grief. It doesn't take the grief away. It places the grief in a helpful context. So I encourage you to listen thoughtfully, to listen with a sense of wanting to be encouraged, listen with a sense of resolve with respect to what the temporal world life deals our way. The words are very forward, very challenging. And they arrive at this destination, which is less of a destination and more of a arrival for the careful listener, the passionate follower of Christ, uh, an arrival mid-stride, mid-race, the point at which someone might be tempted to say, I, I quit, I'm done, I can go no further. And when we think about it, it's often at that very moment when we feel like we cannot go any further, where the words of God, where the promise of Jesus, the presence of the Spirit are most tangibly and mystically felt. The text affirms, God does not depart when the going is tough. God is most present when the going is tough. One of the most significant mentors in my life, we were having this discussion two years ago at the start of all the craziness, right? And, 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 and he said, he said, hang in there, hang in there. It's tough right now. Hang in there. And then he went to elaborate how sometimes he encounters situations where people will say, well, God left the church. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. 
kidding me? God doesn't leave churches. People leave churches. God doesn't leave when the going gets tough. God is most present when the going is tough. Listen to the text. Verse 12, page 1009, chapter 12, Hebrews. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. It's, it's the posture, right? Okay, the, the metaphor of, of running a race. Okay, if you've ever run a race, if you've ever been in, in some sort of physical competition, but specifically running, if you try to run like this, really tough to get oxygen to your body. If, if you're all, okay, the text is like, is like up, okay? It, it's walking in with your game. It's shoulders back. It's chin up. It's allowing your body, your diaphragm to fully expand, fully draw in the air that you need. And if you don't like the running metaphor, don't think much about exercise. It's walking in with your game face on. It's prepared. It's I'm ready. And it's amazing how when I approach something, how I approach that something makes all the difference. Or less dramatic, less, oh, I got to do this and pull myself up. It can also be gentle, right? It can be uh, someone just wiped out. And you come alongside them and you sit down and you put their, your arm around them, okay? This is, the, this is the, the metaphor of what these verses want to do in our life. These verses come around, they put an arm around us and we hear whispered in our ear, I know it's hard, I know it's brutal, but we can do this together. On three, we're going to get up and we're going to continue. One, two, three. And that is what the author of Hebrews is attempting to accomplish with these set of verses. These are frequent themes in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Joshua 1, Proverbs 4, Isaiah 35 these themes of, of, of being strong in the face of adversity, these themes of being fortified to encounter whatever comes our way, the reality that we can do this when we do this. Last Sunday, Mother's Day, had a delightful morning here, then we go home, no kids in the home, and so the option was, do you want crab cakes or crepes? Okay, crepes would have been more economical, crab cakes were the choice, woo, love crab cakes. We make crab cakes, okay, then a nap, a nap in the cottage, it was Mother's Day, not Father's Day. Then I came back inside, and we were sacked out on the couch, okay, reading a book, okay. I'm thinking, wow, everyone's relaxed here, might as well get some lift stuff done, but first I wanted to find a particular tool. It had gone missing, I don't know when, but I realized it was missing the week before. It was my 3 8 inch drive ratchet, okay? Spoiler alert, it's right here. I love ratchets because they go like this. Have you ever done that? If you've never done this and you don't have a ratchet, get one. Because the delight and joy, and then if you don't like this direction, 
Yeah, exactly. I'm less coordinated that way. There's a part of me that thinks it's going to fly off, but it won't because it won't really. Okay, so I'm like, I want to find this, right? Because this is next to the quarter inch and next to a tool that I'm going to talk about later. One of my favorite tools, deep well socket, okay? And I'm like, where did it go? Because I usually put my tools back, okay? And sometimes I let other people borrow my tools, unlike my brothers, okay, who were all mechanics before they were business owners. They have tools, uh, signs above their uh, tool chest that says, please don't ask me to use my tools. I make my living with them. You know, and they're these beautiful snap-on tools, which are just like amazing how they feel in your hand and all this kind of stuff. At any rate, I'm like, if I can find this before I start on these other tasks, it will be awesome. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder if it slid in between the seats on the Ranger. Sure enough, it was there. I knew there was nothing that I could not do that day. I went down to the waterfront. I lift up heavy chunks of aluminum. I walked them into the water. I got the lift out all by myself, got everything set up. So when my friends came over to help me on Monday night, we were ready to go. I had my game face on, strength on, power on, body ready to work, mind ready for whatever comes. And that, that is what Hebrews 12, 12 is trying to accomplish in our lives. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your work knee, weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Jesus argued for these things, right? And if that isn't good enough, Paul argued for these things as well. And here we have the author of Hebrews echoing a similar sentiment, but it is not sentimental. These are familiar things. And it is a reminder. The road to following Christ is not discovered in the high-minded intellectual pursuits. It's not in the mastery of the complex or obscure. And please don't hear me wrong. I love education. I'm all for education. But the pathway to following God isn't mastery of the complex. It's mastery of the simple. These familiar themes, peace, holiness, grace, strive for these things. Strive not for money, strive not for power, strive not for position, strive for peace with other people, with other Christians, in the midst of a disordered society, in the midst of a disordered life, seek peace. Seek peace right now in our own lives. And the application here is wide-ranging, right? Some of us need to seek peace in how we view our own lives in relationship to to food, to, to exercise, to how we drive, how we intersect with others. There's all sorts of applications for this. Seeking peace in all areas of our life. The pursuit of peace with those that are around us. Some of us need to seek peace with how we think about our history and how that influences us today. And some of us need to seek peace more externally, how we use our bodies and how our bodies are used. Striving, seeking, pursuing peace. 
holiness. The text argues it's a critical component to seeing the Lord. And whenever an author, and there's a lot of them in the Bible, whenever the author calls out something with these kind of words, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord, you kind of want to take that seriously. And I don't want to undo our ideas of salvation, but it seems as though holiness is a critical component for seeing God both in the temporal existence that we live in now, and I would argue for an eternal reality. To put it another way, if you really want to be in heaven, you're really going to be interested in holiness. And conversely, if you're not so much interested in holiness, if I really don't want to be separate from the world around me, if I don't want to ask for forgiveness for the sin that exists in my life, if I don't want to repent or turn away from the stuff that's less than what God would desire for my life, then chances are we probably won't be involved or interested in heaven. Striving for peace, striving for holiness, see that no one fails to obtain the grace of God seeking places where the, the grace of God is not applied or understood or embraced. We like to think of ourselves as receiving God's grace, 100% agree. But we are also a conduit of God's grace. God uses us to dispense his grace to other people. And you don't have to pay attention very long in the world in which we live to see a lot of places that desperately need the grace of God. Embrace these things and none of these things. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness. This is an agricultural metaphor, right? Frequently found in the Bible. The idea is usually in a positive realm, right? The idea of fruit that we produce, that you'll know a tree by its fruit, that a good tree produces good fruit. Here, bad fruit is understood to find its origins in the rootstock, okay? If you have bad roots, then you have a mess on your hands, which any hairstylist or color technician can attest to. It's not a joke. Bad roots are a bad thing. Think about this one, right? The bitterness, the anger, the frustration, the righteous indignation. The author of Hebrews is arguing it has no place. In just a few seconds, we'll address the reality of immorality, right? And the intriguing thing is that, that people will say, yes, go after immorality. Yes, go give it, give it, give it, right? And not think a thing of this. A root of bitterness. That's a challenge, right? We, we tend to go after the people that are not like us, not go after ourselves. We tend to be perfectly content, watering, nursing, coaxing to life, bitterness or something like it. 
Hebrews is acknowledging what is true. If I, if I hate someone in here, if I think ill of you in here, it's going to be really hard to be any sort of authentic out here. Or worse yet, if I think I'm justified in not liking you, bad roots. Sexual immorality. Certainly the author of Hebrews is, is thinking about someone who sleeps with someone who isn't their spouse, but it may also include idolatry. But, but let's leave it within the realm of the literal, sexually immoral. The question I think to ask is, how do I express my human sexuality? And the follow-up question to ask is, how does that honor God? Or does that honor God? Do I express my sexuality in a way that honors me or honors God? I think the author is more than willing to acknowledge the power that is echoed in almost every society when the misuse and abuse of this gift from God, which is to be certainly enjoyed, and certainly it's a means by which babies are created. And no, I don't want to get into a current events debate, and I don't want to be quoted, but I will say this, like most everything else in life, when it exists within a sphere that honors God, it is magical. And when it doesn't, oh my, the pain that it can cause. And as in all things that we talk about, Timberwood Church, if, if you want to have an honest conversation about what it means to express oneself in a way that honors God with their human sexuality. We're here to have that conversation. Sexual immoral is combined with unholy, and the example is Esau, this Old Testament bird, right? Who sells his birthright, okay? The blessing of God that would have been afforded him because he was born first, okay? He sells that blessing for, for a bowl of porridge, and so, sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, unholy, this, this selling something eternal for something temporal, unholy, the, the selling of something for less than it is worth, that taking something that is unique and treating it as common. Maybe you saw the news article, it wasn't too long ago, okay, Roman statue found in a garage sale, bought it for like 30 bucks, and it's yeah, that's unholy. Not for the buyer, but for the seller. Not knowing what you have and selling it for less than it is worth. Unholy. Or knowing what you have and not treating it well. Unholy. And again, this has all sorts of applications to all parts of our lives. How do we treat this that God has given us? How do we approach ideas of forgiveness and repentance? How do we treat the realities in which we're invited to look at the world differently than the world around us looks at the world? The example of Esau is also important because of verse 17. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, 
though he sought it with tears. Esau ran out of time. He wanted the opportunity to choose differently, but even sincere tears fell on dry ground. Because the time had passed for a good decision to be made. Now, in some ways, there's, there's things that are never too late to do. It's never too late to return a tool. This morning, before the service has started, my friend Jim walks in, and he's like, hey, are you missing a couple tools? And I'm like, yes, I am, because I don't always check my toolbox at the end of the day. So he handed me two of these box wrenches. Some people call them open ends. I grew up calling them open ends. Some people call them box wrenches. And the 9 sixteenths, okay, next to the quarter-inch drive, next to my 3 eighths drive, okay, it's like this is number three, right? And so, you know, it's just, again... He's like, they were in my waders, okay? Remember when I helped you last fall to pull your dock and all that stuff in? I'm like, yes, I do remember. He's like, I put them in the pocket of my waders, and I put on my waders the other day, and here they are, and I'm bringing them back to you. And it's important to remember, it's never too late to return tools. 